Hey everybody, I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're the Bagging Boardcast, a podcast that comes to you three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top <laughs> geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the books that we are looking forward to coming out April 8th, 2015. And then we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's our March look back. Some of the books that we picked up in the month of March that we deemed fit for chatting, discussing, talking about... And it's going to be all-new Hawkeye, Howard the Duck, Princess Leia, Spider-Woman, and Big Thunder Mountain. Railroad. Railroading. Yeah. And a lot of those people on the railroads had a lot of old habits. Some lasting maybe three years. Those miners, they had to have some old habits to keep them safe, right? They shouldn't be drinking this beer, then. Uh, The miners, Paul. And this is uh, uh, this is from Ithaca Beer Company. And wait, 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 wait! <laughs> it's because they're too. Oh, I got it. They're miners. <laughs> they're too young to drink. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's funny. It's oh, so funny. <laughs> After he thought about it and then worked through the thought process out loud, he decided it is funny. <laughs> But what are we drinking, John? This is Old Habit. This is part of uh, Ithaca's Excelsior series. And this is a American ale brewed with four different rye malts and then fermented uh, partly in whiskey barrels and then blended with uh, unfermented beer. Oh. Um, we've had this three years ago on the on the uh, podcast, and we are drinking our last bottles of it. There's raspberries in this, right? No raspberries. But why does it taste like raspberries? It's It has a nice, like, sweet and tart. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nice. Uh, it used to have a, ro- a ruby red color, and now it is just brown. It is a very but dark brown. If you hold it up to the light, you can get a little bit of red through the cloudiness. From that cloudy brown, you get a little bit of red. A little bit of red. That's the the ruby lining to that brown cloud. Mm. This was. Uh, I, go ahead, John. This was a beer we were going to drink last week, uh, but we didn't get to it, and I'm kind of glad we didn't because <laughs> we really got to savor and enjoy this because yeah. I think after. All of our drinking all day in Michigan, and then drinking those four aged bottles last year, last week. Uh, none of us really wanted to drink anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm glad we saved this for today, where we can really enjoy it. Because I'm glad that I have this in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got that nice sweet tartness. Like I said, it tastes like it almost tastes like a what's the lambic or that raspberry lambic, but not as sweet. Just that tartness. Um, I kind of don't want it to touch my teeth because I think it's going to ruin my enamel. <laughs> like, that's how tart this thing is, uh, almost to a point of a sour. Um, but it's enjoyable as a slow-sipping beer. Like, yeah. I would not want to drink this warm. No. Uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't want to drink this when I was really hot either. <clears throat> I think this is something I can drink a little bit faster than I could something like Founders, Big Luscious, or... They're uh, rubious. It's not as like syrupy sweet. You definitely get like a tart. There is a sweet to it, and it's kind of like you said, it's a little bit raspberry. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is something I could easily 
drink pretty quick. I don't know if I would want a whole bottle of it, like I said before. Yeah, it's it's something good to be splitting. Yeah, like splitting this bottle in like two ways with Lexi. Like I'm fine with it. Like I wouldn't want more than what I have. Yeah, and it's, it's a good. bomber like bottle, so it's not like a, it's a yeah, twelve ounce bottle. This is a big bomber, so that's a lot of beer. It is a lot of beer. Even splitting it between two people still. And we have a lot of casting news. So oh. if you want to open up that the cast the casting the, bag the geek in the weekend geek news oh. bag, Paul. Oh, let's open that up. It's a transformer. The bag, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it's this a week it is. Transformer that's in the shower. You had to pull open the curtain. <laughs> this week it was the mail belly. It comes to me in a lot of different ways. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> It comes to him in a lot of ways, but never willingly. Oh. So, uh, and the the first little bit of casting news that I have is that uh, Edouard Akinyoldo, uh some might know him as Mr. Echo from Lost, or... Uh, oh, the, the guy that uh, carried a big stick. He carried a big stick. He also was in Thor, uh, the Dark Empire. The Dark World. Thank you. Uh, he was uh, the elf guy's number two in command, who put on that stone and became the big dude. Oh. That guy. He has been cast in the Suicide Squad as Killer Croc. Oh. So he's going to put on scales and become that big guy yeah because he always that plays that big guy <laughs> that big guy perils of being a big guy mm-hmm. i wonder now, if do we he think killer croc's gonna play some sort of role in this movie or do you think it's gonna be one of those like you see him in the background i don't like know like an argus facility type I, of things i wouldn't say that that actor is a big actor but if you put him in he's not playing like some kind of i wouldn't see him as playing a second fiddle Unless he's signed on to be in more movies mm-hmm. as Killer Croc. Yeah. Maybe in the next Batman movie or... Question mark. DC movie. Mm-hmm. It seems like, man, the Suicide Squad is now lining up to be a lot of Batman villains. It's like a spin-off Batman villain more so than a... Or a spin-off Batman movie more so than a DC I think the Batman villains are kind of the most accessible of any of the DC superhero villains, though. Oh, come on, Flash. TV show, make those Flash villains more popular. Oh, those Flash villains are great on the show, though. Yeah. Last week was Trickster and Mark Hamill, Paul. It was awesome. Oh, my goodness. He reprised his role from the 1990s series of Flash? Yeah. He does. Oh. Yeah, as a trickster, as a trickster, yeah. uh, uh, and you hear a third, or you hear a fourth voice, and that is friend of the show slash my girlfriend Caitlin. Hello. She, and she doesn't want to be on. <laughs> she doesn't want to be on Mike. But then when Paul talks shit about Flash, she's like, "Yeah, he was on. It was awesome." Because <laughs> he was, and he had to. S- well, I can't ruin. Right? I know. You can ruin it. You can I'm, ruin things. It's Listeners. been out for a week. They should spoilers. Have it. So he's like trickster who's in prison and. Uh-huh. There's this younger uh, trickster. This younger trickster who's you know tricking people and creating chaos all around town. Uh huh. And he so he's like a- Hannibal Lecter to the Flash. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So old trickster's acting all peeves, and mm-hmm. turns out that young trickster's really his son that didn't know he was his son. And it's, you know, it's, whoa, he tricked some woman into sleeping with him. Yeah, <laughs> that seems dirty, trickster. It was really, just a way for Mark Hamill to tell somebody that. 
you, uh, yes, I am your father. Really? <laughs> yeah, it, it was that an excuse to see Mark Hamill as a live-action Joker without being the Joker. And he was so Joker in it. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. He was very creepy. creepy. But I, really I definitely Twizzlers. appreciated that. Mm. Oh, tw- he's a Twizzler man, not a Red Vine man. No, Twizzlers. Oh, red, red Twizzlers. Well, there's other types of Twizzlers than Red? They have the black. Those are a disgrace before <laughs> all that is humane. Wow. No, the grape ones White are Power okay. comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, what news do you bring to the table? Well, also a little bit of DC casting, and I'm not going to go with the DC casting I was going to talk about, but instead, <gasps> someone from a DC property jumping to somewhere else, um, Oliver Queen from Arrow, Stephen Amell, has been cast as Casey Jones... In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Still won't get me to go see it in the theater, but I will watch it. Uh, the, the first one was enjoyable. Like We saw it at the Cheap Seats type theater. I, um, would pay, I liked it. I would pay Cheap Seats or Redbox or Netflix. See, that's, that's a good question for the movie theater, but as we learned last week, there might be filming here in Buffalo... Oh shit! I can see the arrow here. <laughs> you can see him here, and, and he's so you, close to Canada. He loves Canada. Would he's he, from it. Would he? Would you want to go see him shooting a scene? If you could be an extra now, knowing that he's going to be in that scene, would you sign up to be an extra, Most like stand in the line? What? Most definitely. Oh wow! Is he bringing the bars from Arrow? So I have competition. <laughs> <laughs> I can do 14 good put up push-ups when nobody's watching. <laughs> and I'm just calling out numbers and grunting. In your sleep? Uh, yes. In my sleep. I'm looking forward to the second one more than I was the first one because I kind of know what to expect now. And Casey Jones has always been one of my favorite Turtles characters. So seeing someone I actually like in this role, th- that'll be a little bit more of a draw for me. I would agree. I would. Mm-hmm. But still not butt in the theater. Still not butt in the theater. But Chris, what other what other news do you have with the casting? Well, in the recently announced Arrow and Flash team-up show that'll be showing coming up whenever they wind up doing this, uh, we're also going to be seeing Rip Hunter and Hawker. If these are characters that you have a passing semblance of knowledge of, it's probably Hawkgirl because of Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. But if Rip Hunter sounds for him, it's because he's the time traveler that paled around with Booster Gold after uh, 52. Uh, he's, uh, definitely he's definitely one of my favorite characters. And uh, to, to play a time traveler, you, you might need somebody who's already time traveled. You might need to have a little bit of experience. And DC's actually gone to Arthur Darville who played Rory Williams in Doctor Who to man up as Rip Hunter, which is probably one of the best names ever created. Can Arthur Darville grow a beard? That's one of my requirements to play uh, Rip Hunter. You know, it's just one of those things. He needs to be in front of a chalkboard looking straggly. Well, they can do stuff with makeup now, Paul. Someone can just give him a beard. Costuming. 
Give me one of those costume beards, please. Yeah, because we've never asked a crazy question like this on the show before. Like when we had the announcement of who Supergirl was going to be. Whether or not she could be blonde. I'm just following up with the long-term Bagman Board pro- <laughs> journalistic promise to ask questions about hair on casting. <laughs> And, Paul, you also get the long-term response of everybody thinking you're nuts. <laughs> but, but, like I said, they also cast someone as Hawkgirl, and I don't know who it is. Wait, wait, Ma- wait for it. I'm loading. Is it Amy Pond? It is Because not. she's not on Selfie anymore, because that was canceled. That was a show that wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's jumping ship. Still, she's got nothing else to do right now, right? I, I, I'm kind of sad about this casting because I think it's cool that they have Hawkgirl appearing in it, but I didn't know the actress's work from anything, so I promptly forgot her. I kind of like that it's going to be... So wait, are they all three teaming up, or is it just going to be the Flash and Hawkgirl in one episode and the Flash it's, and it's Rip Hunter in the other? It's very much like a Brave and the Bold type situation, where it's going to be linked to the rest of the DC Universe shows like Arrow and Flash, but... You could have Firestorm in one episode, and then the episode after that, it's the Atom, and then you get okay, like Hawk Girl. So it's not like the Hawk Girl and Rip Hunter team up, and they're going around the DCU teaming up with other people. Maybe, maybe because oh. they already said that Captain Cold, uh, the Atom, Firestorm were all going to be making appearances, as well as the now deceased Black Canary. Mm-hmm. So these two are the headliners <clears throat> for this show. We we don't know. Oh, They've okay. just been cast. Oh. And it is uh, Sierra Renee who has been cast as Hawkwoman. Hawkgirl? Hawkgirl. Okay. Two different characters. And she's a brunette, Paul. Okay. Can she play a redhead, Paul? <laughs> Shiara. Can she play Shiara? Strong possibility. All right. I don't know. It might just depend on, you know, how they light the lights. Hmm? Yeah. And speaking of lighting the lights, thanks for that. I was hoping someone would grab onto that. Uh, we have ABC in the talks to bring a Jim Henson Muppet show uh, to the small screen. Um, and this is going to be brought to us... Uh, with the Big Bang Theory co-creator Bill Party and Anger Management's Bob Crucial with um, ooh, where is it? I just saw his name because this was actually what I found interesting. Uh, Randall Ehorn, who as uh, as the director, who is a director of many episodes of Park and, Parks and Rec and The Office. Oh, so it should have a pretty good uh, team behind the show. And if you've listened to the show before, you've heard our grumbles about Big Bang Theory, but apparently this uh, guy who's going to be co-producing the show has worked with the Henson Company before. So it's not outside his wheelhouse. So I'm looking forward to this. We talked a little bit in the pre-show about the last Muppet show to air. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 19 years ago with Muppets Tonight on oh, wow. TGIF. TGIF. Man, and John did. John remembers not liking it. I remember watching it, but not remembering how I felt about it. But I'm just happy the Muppets are coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think, and Disney's been so smart about these franchises that why wouldn't they really try hard to bring the show back? 
I have to say one thing that I know about Kermit the Frog. He is great at looking into the camera. So if it's the guy that pr- helped uh, bring Kermit's together all, the Kermit's office, the straight man. Like if he knows how to, you know, the office and Parks and Rec, man. You have somebody say the joke, boom, Kermit the Frog, look right into the camera. Done. Done. It writes itself. Writes itself. Much like well, the comic books. I was going to say, luckily, someone else writes comic books, though. They don't write themselves. They have writers to do it. And we're, we're a big fan of those books, especially the ones coming out April 8th. Right, John? That's true. And I couldn't pick one coming out of Convergence that I wanted to say that one, because I am really looking forward to the question... Nightwing and Oracle and Batgirl coming out of uh, the Convergence from DC. So I name all three of those my pick, and I'm looking forward to all three of them. Wow. That'll be fun to put in the show notes. Thanks, John. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just say the Convergence event? Sure. That. And then you can just link it to dccomics.com slash comics to see more about the uh, Convergence, because that's all their website's about right now. Those actually was probably going to wind up doing. Oh, okay. I, I think you're right, John. Like, after reading Convergence Number Zero, I'm more looking forward to these. Well, not just these books, but this event more than I was before. Um, before reading Convergence Zero, I was looking forward to these books just because these are the characters and the stories that I like. So it'll be good to see them come back for like two months. Oh, and I forgot the Flash. The Flash book. Flash oh, family. yeah, just throw another one on the pile, John. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I said Convergence event. No, you didn't. You, you named three, and then I was then quickly looking through to like figure out which one of the other ten that are coming out that I wanted to pick. And now, then you take that one, too. Flash Family. No, Speed Force, number one. Uh, it's out. a Flash Family book. It is a Flash Family. It's the Wally West Flash Family book, meaning Iris and Jay. Uh, Chris. They're going to be in it. Yeah, they're going to be in it. Chris, what are you looking forward to? Um, I'm actually looking forward to a book coming out from Marvel, and this is Shield Number Four, oh. uh, written by Mark Wade, art by Alan Davis, and you know what it takes to be a great secret agent? Aliens. Well, gadgets. Gadgets, aliens, but also the ability to not be seen. Ooh. Which calls up Shield's most famously not known. Agent Sue Storm going on her final mission for S.H.I.E.L.D. Ooh. Uh, I've been enjoying the S.H.I.E.L.D. book. It's kind of a who's almost who of the Marvel Universe right now. But it's a great, fun read coming from Mark Waite. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been a great show so far. Uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying seeing Fitz and Simmons and those other characters actually in the Marvel Universe instead of vice versa, just them kind of existing on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I hear you. You oh. did, because I said it in, into the microphone. Well, that's good. Hey, uh, you know what else is good? Convergence Batgirl number one? Was that one of the books you didn't pick, John? No, I picked that one. Yeah. Wait, Batgirl? Yeah. Oh, then you did not pick Convergence Superman number one. Didn't. All right. So definitely the one that I'm looking forward to the most. Not definitely not the question number one. Nope. Definitely not Speed Force number two. Nope. As my second pick. Definitely not Batgirl. 
Definitely not Nightwing and Oracle. Not Nightwing and Oracle. <laughs> the one that I'm looking forward to the most right now. Superman. It's definitely Superman number one. Because mm. not because none of the other ones were picked before I could go. Uh, this is starring the heroes from the past pre, from the pre Flashpoint DCU. Don't try to steal my yeah. thunder with you this also picking a convergence. I'm not. This uh, but the one I'm most excited about this is listen to this. It's a powerless Superman. Ooh. So it's just it's called on to protect Gotham City. Yikes. Yep. With his pregnant wife, Lois Lane. Ooh. Boom. Mind blown. Mind blown. How did we get there? I don't know. Maybe Convergence will tell me. Maybe not. I'll just jump in. Maybe. Pretty much. You, you jump into that while everyone else jumps into our dramatic reading. Oh. And now. A dramatic reading from Spider Woman number five, page 11, panel five. The sign on the door says closed has for years. Whack! Set this office up when I first moved back to New York, then ran off to join Super Circus without booking a single case. Never even got a working telephone. That was Spider Woman number five, page 11, panel five. I have to say, uh, that was our most convincing girl voice yet. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I've been working on it. Thank you. It didn't sound like a drunk mother at all, John. Way to go. But my male voice was awful. <laughs> Still having trouble doing those male voices. You didn't sound like He-Man. You, you, were tr- you were going outside your comfort zone with your male voice. Not sounding like He-Man. Uh, I just want to say, for reference, uh, this morning Lexi asked me to do the Miguel voice talking about <laughs> Easter. So, <laughs> and then a bunny. Can no, you... it, it took me a, a while to get into character, but he wound up talking about candy eggs and the plastic inside them. <laughs> yeah, no, I asked him to say, uh, "How would you say we color some eggs in the Miguel voice?" <laughs> Chris, that's one of my favorite voices from the Christmas episodes. Benhemi! Yeah, Ben's name is Benhemi. Good times. But we're going to go right back into our comfort zone with our next beer. It's a barrel-aged beer, and we are big fans. John, I just need a little splashman. I don't need all that. Yeah, this is one of the beers that we actually picked up when uh, you guys were here last week for Beercation when we went to Arcadia Ales. You mean when Uh, we were in Michigan? When you were Michigan in episode number 254 last week, which everyone can listen to. Um, but this is just down the road, maybe about like 45 minutes away. And this is the barrel-aged lock-up scotch ale. And this is the barrel-aged version of their regular lockdown beer that mm. you can just get in a six-pack. Um, I haven't had a chance to try this yet, so I'm just introducing it while you guys I'm- are... I'm trying to wash the old habit off uh, my tongue. I know, that's what I'm doing. Uh, It's like, oh, I get a little bit of that nice scotchness, uh, scotch illness, but uh, all I have is the old habit. We should have rinsed our glasses. Oh, I definitely get scotch right away. We should have had some water or crackers or something. But it's oh yeah, no, it's nice. It's a it's very drinkable. Mm -hmm. You don't get a lot of the like. I don't with, get the barrel. With the backwoods bastard barrel aged uh, Scotch ale. You get so many kind of complex flavors, and it, all those kind of really pop and dance. Mm-hmm. Where this is just a nice 
drinking beer for 12%, not a lot, like no killer alcohol or anything. To I'm not it. aging this one. No, you're going to just drink it? No. Yeah, because I, I'm afraid what I'll lose if I try to age it. Because this right now is nice and drinkable. It's not heavy on the palate with that bourbon. It's not overly alcohol burn on the tongue. I'm like, okay, so what will happen to this beer if I age it? I'm going to lose the milder flavors that are already there. And I'm enjoying this right now as is. And it's an expensive bottle. It's, it's a it's a regular-sized beer bottle, oh. and it was $10. Yep. So... We we picked up uh, three bottles of each, the Shipwreck Porter and the Lockup, mm-hmm. um, with the idea of, like, well, we'll drink two, have one to age for next year, mm-hmm. and then hopefully pick up some more so we can try them side by side. Um, I, I like this a lot. I'm okay mm-hmm. with sitting on one of them to age still just to see, but I think we, it's something that's and I, and it's I, worth I, drinking right now. I picked right up now. two, Paul. I, I have three, I, so I could age one. I picked up two of each. I'll age mine. Okay. And you drink yours. All right. So that's I, fair because you're sharing really yours three ways. Good, mm-hmm. I think it's a good blending of the flavors. Nothing really stands out because it all plays really well together. Goes down way too easy. Yeah, this yeah. doesn't seem like 12%. No. no. That's why I'm like, John, John, I just needed a splash. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're happy you don't. I, I, it's nice and drinkable. It's It's fresh. Uh, I still I, have a little tart on my tongue, mm-hmm. which I think is from the the rare ha- the old mm-hmm. habit. Mm-hmm. I got that uh, Labatt barrel aged uh, over there. If you want to try <laughs> to drink that, it's a twist off. Mm, mm, nice and sweet. <laughs> Especially since it's been like in a room that gets to like seventy degrees mm-hmm. for months. <laughs> it's just been sitting in the studio. There? Yeah, yeah. I'm not taking care of that one. That's a crap beer. <laughs> crap beer. Uh, just give it to Eric next time he comes over to watch. Oh uh, like, no, Star he Trek, wouldn't even BSB want it. or whatever you guys are doing. We're watching MacGyver, and MacGyver's awesome. So just so you know, I made up a show there, Star Trek DSV. Oh, is that not a show? <laughs> it sounded like one. Yep. Sounds like well, a Star it, Trek show. It's a combination of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and uh, Sequest DSV. Uh. The did you guys vehicle? see that uh, Green Lantern is going to be making an appearance in these Star Trek comic books? I, I saw that. I will probably pick up the first one just to check out. From uh, IDW? From IDW. Yeah. Huh. Man, but yeah, they're I... calling it like a light continuum or something. It, it just got announced at WonderCon uh, this hmm. weekend. But I don't know. I'm a Green Lantern fan, and I'm, I don't consider myself a Star Trek fan. But I like it and know enough about it that if you were just like a normal walking down the street and you were like, hey, who's the guy from the uh, the space trek? I could probably talk about it for like longer than that person would care and be like, okay, it was Spock. Thank you. He would go about his business. Yeah. Yeah. And let's Yerba. us go about our business with starting our monthly look back and i believe these are all marvel books they are indeed all marvel books and we normally will talk about which ones we want to look at first before the show uh, uh, can i vote for hawkeye number one because that was probably my least favorite all new hawkeye number one. Oh, i'm sorry john were you all logged in for something else um no, i can easily just re-log in don't worry about it let's do all all new hawkeye i'm sorry dude 
Oh, it's okay. We can talk about all new Hawkeye. I mean, we've been talking about Hawkeye for the past like year and a half on the show now. So mm-hmm. uh, I think this is something we were all looking forward to. I'm still looking forward to seeing how old, run down Hawkeye ends. Uh, yeah. Until, uh, yeah. We got the first issue of all new Hawkeye before we got the finale of regular Hawkeye. That's this is unheard of in comic books, but uh, it's kind of crazy because the art is this is the art uh, artist team that was bringing us the old Hawkeye, right? Or at least part of it. No, who's the Not artist on this? This, uh, this is written by Jeff Lemire, okay. then has art by Ramon Perez. For uh, bo- for both, who you, would, you would know from our trade and policy a couple months ago, Tale of Sand. Ramon Perez is doing an awesome job, uh, definitely uh, aping the style of the old Hawkeye artist on the uh, present day storyline on this. The flashbacks are great though for when he was younger. I like the art there. Oh really? I thought I, I'm like I was less interested in it because it was so washed out. And when like this page creepy. where he's running past like down the hallway and you see like his former self running you see at the same the, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but that it's that way. it's the the past drawing mm-hmm. in like the reflection of the glass with the kind of that current Paulo mm-hmm. Rivera, uh, David Aja style Hawkeye running, and it is a really cool blending of the two. In the narrative, yeah, and what? And Chris Perez does the art in both both of these. Uh, yeah, Ramon Perez does. Wow, like both those art styles, and then he does the like the actual uh, painting part, like the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. That's all him. Like that's all watercolors or whatever he's doing, like digitally. I don't know his process, but yeah, he's he did them both. Wow, wow, yeah, that's so, really good. I I really Paul, thought that, that was that change your opinion of the book a little bit. It does. Well, it makes me more of a fan of Ramon Perez because that's <laughs> you know that it's it's two very different styles uh, on it and. I, I really thought they had two different artists working on it, especially since we knew how badly delayed uh, this Hawkeye book can get. Uh, but here we get Hawkeye on the run and Hawkeye on the run in, in uh, the past and also in the present. And I love that uh, Kate is uh, having a name problem because, you know, that's an often problem in our group with what we call Kate or Katie or Catherine. Right, Caitlin? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> My wife's name is Kate, uh, and we hang out with a lot of other Kates. Yep. So, and that's why when I started dating Caitlin, and she said, "Oh, my friends call me Kate," I'm like, "Nope, you're Caitlin." <laughs> yep. Well, no, he asked me what I want to be called, and I said, "Well, my friends call me Kate," and he said, "I won't be calling you that. I will call you Caitlin. I already have a Katie and a Kate. You cannot be Katie or Kate." So he asked you out of pure. Just dickness, it's John. <laughs> just, uh, what do you prefer to be called? Before I you answer John that, just let table. me know you. So I'm not allowed to have a nickname now. <laughs> I see John at a table, being like, "So, what would you like me to call you?" Just like leading in, and then she's like, "My friends call me Kate," and then he just like pushes himself back. I won't be doing that. <laughs> like, it's a business meeting, and he's walking away from we the We were meal. actually at a beer and a bacon festival drinking. 
and uh, that's when he did it. Oh, okay, so he kind of stumbled away. See? <laughs> I'm, I'm. I actually there there was flooding, so I splashed away, just stomping <laughs> through right, the puddles. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail us that far. <laughs> it was the part of the book that actually made me laugh out loud when I first read it, like when she's like, "No." Call me Catherine, and it's and then he's like goes back and forth between Kate and Katie throughout the book. Every time he like changes names, I kind of giggle to myself. Oh, I made that too. I was laughing. Yeah, and I thought I was actually going to be on Paul's side when I started reading this book because it took me probably about like five or six pages to actually get into it because the whole backup thing with Clint and Barney growing up, the watercolored sections of this, I I couldn't get into at first. Um, I definitely appreciated the artistic value of it, but it wasn't until I saw Kate and Clint like running around the Hydra base shooting arrows and kicking people that I was like, okay, now now it feels like a Hawkeye book again. Mm-hmm. But shortly after that, when we started getting them interstitialized, I was like, okay, like I see things lining up now. And that's what really drew me into the book. And now I'm I'm so looking forward to the rest of this. And I think this is just incredibly well done. And this is coming from two Canadian creators here. Mm. Both Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez are fixtures in the Canadian comics world. And we've seen them both at Fan Expo multiple times now. Whether we've stopped to talk to them or just browse their wares or not. But now I'm like, man, I I should have spent some time you know, checking out what uh, Ramon Perez has been doing before this because he's fantastic. Like, uh, there's the panel at like towards the end of the book where it's um, Hawkeye shooting like a Hydra agent, but then in like like silhouette, you get him and Barney like riding their bikes. Mm-hmm. It's there the page it I have open because it's like one of the best pages in the book. Mm-hmm. I, I want more of that going forward in the series. If I don't get it, that's cool. If I do, I, I'm going to lap up every little bit of it because it's it's gorgeous. Just like that duality of styles there. It's amazing. Uh, I really like the last page in the book where it's Kate stumbling upon those kids. And on the reverse side of those kids are, are Clint and Barney at like an amusement park. And even like it's upside down and even the the word bubble is upside yeah. down. Like I really love that. Page well, it's too. a circus. Yeah, because Clint Burnham runs the circus away where they to, grew up. Runs away to the circus. Now, is this is this one of those endings where it's just Paul being Paul and saying, "Oh, the kids in the like mind thing, they're being fed these images and everything, these memories. Maybe they're having those flashbacks because Hydra's trying to build, rebuild their own Hawkeye." No. 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 They've is got that... really weird shaped heads mm-hmm. too. They yeah, look very dimensional. It's called like Project Communion. Ah, oh. so I, th- I think it's going to be something different. Okay, but I, I think we're going to what we're going to get is like Clinton Barney growing up in the circus, but then like the sideshow freaks, and then just equating these kids to how it feels to be an outsider amongst your own kind, kind of thing. I don't know. And I have to say, this is probably my. This is my favorite book of the books that we're going to be reviewing. Um, I really liked it. I was expecting a different kind of Hawkeye. This has a lot of the feeling of Matt Fractions, but with a little more action, 
but still having all that kind of heart that the other book had. The humor, I think, more yeah. so than the heart. Well, <laughs> you know, with the kids, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm I'm looking so forward to this. It's still in that Hawkeye vein that I really like from the series, mm-hmm. but it is different, and I'm cool. I'm very cool with that, and I really, really liked it. This is something I was looking forward to, but still nervous about when it was announced because I've loved the Matt Fraction, David Aja Hawkeye book and having Jeff Lemire come onto the book, who is a creator that I've been kind of hit or miss with. I was like, I love Hawkeye, but I'm not the biggest proponent of his work. I'm glad to be sitting here thinking like, you know what? Number two is a book that I will gladly be picking up if nobody else is going to man up and do it. No, it feels exactly like the last series never ended. (laughs) I I was about to say, like, well, it hasn't, but... I know, because that's what I was playing at. No, by no means did I try to make... I'm sorry if I made it sound like I didn't like this book. It was just... The book you liked the least. least, and it's... Because it's probably the book that made me laugh the least... I did get giggles out of the whole name thing, but I thought that was more personal than anything else. Uh, the book that John's pulling up next, Howard the Duck, number one. Uh, I don't really thought that comedy book works nowadays in the in comic books, but man, this was really funny. I didn't like this book. What? Really? I didn't think it was that <laughs> I funny. I it was hilarious. I did not like this book. Oh. Okay. Uh, well, John, are to, you on that side of the table? I am. I'm on the opposite side, boys. Oh, but you have reinforcements. Well, Paul, you have someone backing you up, too, because when I was reading this, I enjoyed it, but then at the same time, I was also like, oh, man, Paul's going to love this book. (laughs) (laughs) Because it has has She-Hulk in it? Well, because She-Hulk's in it, first of all. (laughs) And it's basically like a spinoff book of the She-Hulk book. Yeah, it, it was great. Yeah, but um, this is Howard the Duck, number one, written by Chip Zarsky, with art by Joe Kionis, who I never really was aware of until he handled the Green Lantern sections for Wednesday Comics. And then as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, this this guy can do some fun artwork. And it was right when we get um, Howard's billboard. Or no, it's his advertisement in the theater. Yeah. Where I was like, all right, this book's got me. Mm-hmm. See, but I John, think I, John, I you didn't like it because liked... this was your, you brought this to the table, like literally. Yeah, I know. I really feel like I should have liked this book more. I don't know if it was like when I read it, I just wasn't in the mood. The thing like I liked, there's things I enjoy, like, it's hard, it's hard to say because well, I, well, what's the book about, first of all? The book is about uh, Howard taking on a new case, and that case being stealing back something that the black cat has stolen from this mystery guy. Mm-hmm. And he, call, he calls on uh, Spider-Man to get some help to figure out what to do, and then he teams up with this um, tattoo artist that he's gotten to know for his time in the beginning of the book when he was in the pokey. Nice, nice word. Nice choice of word with pokey. I like it. Thank you. Because uh, it because tattoos. 
No, because, uh, well, nice. But no, uh, because Howard the Duck talks in a very Howard the Duck way of, they call it in the book a 1960s way, because he calls people doll and, you know, almost like he's putting on a, a noir bent to his very duck and foul personality. And it's like, at the moment of when reading it, I didn't, I thought it felt, it didn't feel, it felt forced. <laughs> but like, thinking back at it, like, him yelling up uh, through the window and having an argument with She-Hulk. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's funny, but at the time of reading it, I was like, uh. It felt like they put too much into it. Hmm. I, I think Paul liked that though because she's listening to like Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I liked it. And she was also looking up twenty uh, cats, twenty photos of cats that will make you forget you live in a super powered mess or something like that. And then like his I secretary know, just being like a pile of yeah. garbage, <laughs> like with a face drawn out. Yeah. yeah. And then you know like him getting an argument like with a monkey, and then. I really the stare down contest with the monkey was hilarious. I really liked him with Superman or with Superman with Spider Man. I thought that was really fun. Uh, my favorite panel is the, definitely the, the, the Uncle Ben. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just I went to that page though, and <laughs> Spider Man like like sticking to a wall, but then he's shining the spider light that's in his belt, which I haven't <laughs> seen since like the 90s, <laughs> saying like it's my face, my face is on your body. Yeah, it, it's a fun book and. John, have you been reading Silver Surfer still? No, I dropped out off of that. I okay, just couldn't... I was going to say, if you're still reading Silver Surfer and enjoying that, I would just berate you because this book is so much more fun than that one is. Even like... It, the training flip, montage? Like couple... Oh, I like the training montage. Yeah. And his t-shirt, no harm, no foul. Yep. And well, it actually ends the... in training montage. The panel after uh, you get the stare down with the monkey, mm-hmm. where Spider-Man's walking away from Howard, that's the cover of Amazing Spider-Man, where it's like, Spider-Man no more. It's mm-hmm. just like that solemn walk. Yep. It's There's so much in these panels and these pages that it's, it's fun. And this is a book that I wasn't looking forward to reading because I've never been a Howard the Duck fan. I don't like the movie, even in that kitschy what? like cult. No, even in that kitschy like cult classic sort of way. The only good part of that movie is uh, Leah Thompson because it's Leah Thompson. She was cute before she did that dumb sitcom, <laughs> Carolyn in the City. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I I blocked the name of it from my memory because I I lost all respect for her then. Uh, uh, this was a really fun book, and John, if you are not going to continue to pick this up, I will. Uh, I probably won't. Looking back on the book, like thumbing through the pages, I do. I am like, okay, that's okay, that's fun. But at the time of reading it, it just you were in a foul mood. I don't know what it was, no. <laughs> but I, I just it just seemed kind of hokey, oh. and it seemed like it was really forced. Now looking back, like. Flipping through this page is going, oh yeah, that was kind of funny. And then the the Howard Duck movie thing and that guy being like, <laughs> that's why he came here and he's really weird. He's got an eye patch. <laughs> so it's definitely a lot more fun than I remember reading it. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that okay, maybe I'll go back and reread it. Or... Actually, John, I see that you're 
paging through it page by page, and I think this is actually better read as a uh, page view or panel view, going panel to panel, because the stare down, especially the stare down with a monkey, where you swipe <laughs> it's to, more drawn out. Yeah, yeah. It just that I think this book needs that little bit of timing in between each panel and you not seeing the whole page, because that's how I read it. And like that stare down with the monkey part where I'm like, swipe, oh, close up to with the monkey, swipe, close up with Howard, swipe, even closer up to with the monkey. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> like, you know, and then you get the panels where where you don't see it coming. They sad walk away from Spider-Man. And also, I love this line with Howard the Duck saying, go kiss more criminals, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, it's also fun because if you're reading Amazing Spider-Man right now, um, Felicia Hardy is like the ultimate criminal badass in New York City right now. So seeing her in this, it's just completely different. But I read this before the current issue of Amazing Spider-Man. So reading these back-to-back almost, it's, it's fun. And I think I read this one when I was actually on the plane back from Disney World. And it was one of those, like, uh, well, I need something to do for three hours. Like, oh, I'll, I'll download the books that are available, check them out. And even after I read this, I was like, all right, I, I really like this. And then when I did my, like, refresh flip through, it, it sold it to me. Kind of like you were saying, Paul. It's funny. It's, I think, uh, read it in panel view. Uh, give it a chance. Make sure you're ready for this kind of, you know, a comedy book, and, and then read it. You know, maybe, maybe not be a sourpuss when you read it. I don't know. I don't know, John. Don't be a sourpuss. <laughs> well, what's our next book? Do we have any more books from John? Nope. The rest are all from Chris. Ooh. Well, let's take a uh, a pause quick. Hmm. Hi, this is Marcus Tell, and you're listening to the Bag and Board Cast. And our last beer is barrel-aged shipwreck border from Arcadia Ales, and uh, this is wonderful. <laughs> I enjoy this beer a lot. Is this a roasted marshmallow there, John? Is it mm-hmm. got that nice roastedness, that toastedness, that sweetness? It's got a nice sweet to it. It really mm-hmm. does. Also, another 12% beer. Yes. It just it does not taste like a twelve percent beer. Do you? No, it just tastes like sweet and good, and what I imagine Glenda the Good Witch tastes like. (laughs) (laughs) This is I I don't know about this. Um, It it is. It is. It is very good. I am glad that I have two bottles of this. I'm glad I have two more bottles of this as well. And I'm glad we have two bottles of of this as well. I don't know if I could age one. I don't think we should age this. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think this is definitely drinking Mm -hmm. drinking beer. Drink? Yeah, it's really good though. It is. Drink because it's delicious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I think this is something that's worth just drinking right now because it's so good. I'm considering grabbing one of those other bottles and like pulling it out. Wow, right now? Right now. Jeez, Chris. I, I don't waste it. it all on a night that you've already drank a lot. No, it's, those are the best nights to uh, spend these beers on. Oh, I have to say, like, I thought Lockup was good, and I thought mm-hmm. the only problem with Lockup is we just drank Old Habit before. Right. This, though, like, 
it is totally worth that ten dollars, and I know that right away. Uh, you know, lock up. I'm like, well, it had something going mm-hmm. against it with old habit. It was good, but this, the shipwrecked, I totally want to drink. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually wish. Full stop. I wish I had gotten regular, like the regular shipwreck porter. The regular shipwreck porter is good, but it's it's a standard porter. Like it's Smoky. what you get from any type of brew pub. Like you drink it, and you're like, oh, that's a porter. That's good. I like it. But this is something beautiful, though. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's sweet with that toasted. It's, it's like a roasted marshmallow in your mouth with a little bit of alcohol. Now let's talk about something I didn't like. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, number one. I forgot about this book. This is my least favorite book. <laughs> oh, re- okay. This, this is a book that I didn't like at the beginning, but then once I got into it more, I started to enjoy it. Where? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> this book it, it uh, focuses on a lot of lazy exposition. In the beginning, and it doesn't. It, it the character is driving the narrative uh, for a reason that I don't quite understand. But you know, that's who the character is, so she's going to go on to this journey because sure force of will. Um, this book, Chris, if you want to explain it, is yeah. This is the third in the Disney Kingdom series. Uh, this is following. The Seekers of the Weird and Figment. This is written by Dennis Hopeless with art by Ty Walker. And this is telling the story of Abigail Bullion, who is the son of a... Daughter. Or, sorry, daughter of a gold magnate in the town of Rainbow Ridge. And mine's running dry, but she just wants to see how everything works. She's lived a sheltered life, and she wants to actually see how the mine runs. Shosi sneaks her way in and then chaos ensues. And this is pretty much how any Disney ride works. You have your bare bones story and then you go on that roller coaster. And that roller coaster seems to be there's a highwayman in the uh, tunnels beneath the mine that is going to be running off with some gold or some dinosaur bones or something. That, that, that's the plot. I, I rode uh, this ride, and I don't remember 20, any of that. There's 23 pages of lead-up to this, but it's all just selling the character. Kind of like you said, Paul. Um, Abigail as Fairweather? the capable, but no, doubted over heroin. I, it, all the stuff with her seems so... You want to talk about forced. Rehashed kind of story-wise. You've seen it all over the place. And I was looking forward to this, and reading it, it just made me really like and love Seekers of the Weird and Figment so much more. I mean, especially that Figment book took the idea of Figment from that ride and really ran with it. Mm -hmm. And this just doesn't have that, like, imagination that the other books had. And this just seems like, all right, let this is what we're going to do. We're you know, and even like that character showing up at the end with the, the the gun belt dressed all in black. 
doesn't make me want to say what's what's going to happen in issue two. Hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know how they could have done this book different, but I I wish they did. Hmm. So you're saying you're not all aboard? No, hmm. I'm not saying that. <laughs> And I, like I'm sorry, Chris, because I know that you probably were really excited about this book and you liked it, but it just like everything about it just seemed really nothing magical about this book. <laughs> and the other books we got were had that magic to them. No, that's okay. I can completely understand that. Um, it took me a while to get into this book, like even as like the huge proponent of those other books that I was, <laughs> and it wasn't until I was probably more than halfway through, whenever she actually gets down into the lines, that I was a little bit more invested in it. But there's enough throughout this book kind of sprinkled in that got me it got me into it. Um, Like, everything that you're seeing up until the end of the book, you can actually see in the ride. Like, the old man in the bathtub, the dinosaur bones, the goat eating the stick of dynamite. That's all stuff that you see while you're actually riding through on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in Disney World or Disneyland. Um, Man, I'm a being, horrible ride rider. I don't that, catch that's anything. Okay. You're too panicked Paul, about what's yeah, coming. Chris Paul, was Paul, just it's there. okay. Paul, you probably had your eyes closed the entire time. Oh, that's probably right. But it, it's the it's the things like that that bring me into the book, and the fact that her father. Um, Barnabas T. Boolean. He looks like the Imagineer that actually created the ride, Tony oh. Baxter. Like it's it's one of those little subtle hits that if you don't know it, you're just like, okay, he's a well-fed man with a mustache. You see him for like four pages, then he's gone. But as soon as I saw him, I was like, that looks like Tony Baxter. And then I close out of the book, Google him. I'm like, yep. That was the basis for this character, and then I continued on. It's those little Easter eggs that sell me on the book, but then I guess kind of the promise of what's coming next is what will get me to buy number two. Because after you finish the book, when you go back and look at the cover, that's Abigail with the bandana over her face holding on to the gun, hanging off the side of the train. Hmm. And, and that's that's what's got me on the book, because beforehand I was like, I don't want this to be the book that makes me be like, I, I'm not going to trust these Disney-Marvel partnerships anymore. Like, it's right. it's not there. Well, if any book was going to do that, it was going to be the uh, book before these all started happening with the, not Tomorrowland, the Space, Space Mountain. Mountain. Well, that that wasn't even part of the Disney Kingdoms. That was a Disney Press comic book that they put out as an original graphic novel. They didn't even yeah. do it as mm-hmm. issues. It, yeah, this and, book, and that one would have been it, though. Yeah, but I, ultimately, like at, at the end of this, I had a Western book that made me be like, okay, I'll, I'll pick up number two. It might not be my favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. Disney Kingdoms book, but I I go into it as the same way I do going into the Disney Parks rides. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad might not be my favorite attraction, but at the end of it, I can still look back and be like, hey, that was fun. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about another Marvel slash licensed property, uh, Star Wars with Princess Leia number one. Uh, we were going to go right into the other book written by Dennis Hopeless, but John loaded this book up instead. So. I, can, I can easily go back no, and no, go to that. Thanks, book. John. Let's go with this because uh, it, it's a it's a palate cleanser between the two Dennis Hopeless books. Uh, art by Terry Dodson. Terry Dodson, written by Mark Wade. There we go. Uh, hey, one of our favorites. And this takes place right after the Battle of Yavin Four. Literally, uh, right. Yeah. After the, she, the first panel is them <clears throat> with the uh, medal ceremony between Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Luke Skywalker with the two droids, and uh, then she gives a little speech about all the people that they lost in that battle, but only really mentions the people of Alderaan, which was kind of weird. No mention of all the X-wing pilots that died. But it's okay. a whole planet that died. <laughs> But they weren't involved in the Battle of Yavin, though. You know, they died beforehand. Um, but and, and that, everybody... That's why we have Holocaust Remembrance Day yeah. and not World War II Vet Day. But we no, we do have Veterans Day <laughs> that remembers the veterans. That's all veterans, not just for one day. Oh, though. okay. Well, I don't know. I'm just trying to like sell her. Yeah, teach a little bit more. So. What what we have here is basically um, Princess Leia written as a cold ice princess, supposedly, and that's the vibe she's apparently giving off to everybody. And she wants to help the rebellion, yet she has no standing orders. And everybody's treating her as a figurehead that they don't want to risk uh, within the rebellion and her clashing with that. Uh, because she has always been a driven character, and that, well, that was my problem with this book. Is um, my li- the little problem that I had is Princess Leia. She comes off as cold. Is because and it's not that she's cold. She's driven. She has something to do. She has a mission to carry forth, and she's going to see it through and do it. She's a strong female character, I think, in the Star you know in the Star Wars original movies. And. Uh, here, some, somehow it comes off that she's cold, and I never got that from her. I always thought she was just focused. But what you have is that Princess Leia being the leader of the rebellion. Yes, she might be the figurehead, but she's also a prominent role in that figurehead, or the rebellion itself. So to have her lament the loss of like Aldron, yeah, it's important, but she has to play a big picture. But you get her a little bit more focused in this title because she's teaming up with her uh, pilot, Yvonne, Yvonne, I don't know how it's pronounced, uh, but they're going to go around and round up the rest of the band, so to speak. They're going to go search out the rest of the Alderanians that are out amongst the stars because now they are going to be a target. And, and I didn't. I, this is what's selling her as that strong, powerful character. She is taking it upon herself <clears throat> to go find the rest of her people and what remains of their culture to keep it safe. And I didn't walk away with that from this book. To me, I felt like this is Princess Leia 
who has no place in the Republic, someone who just keeps getting brushed away by these figureheads, these people who are in charge that are like, all right, well, we don't have room for you. You need to go away. And she's someone who doesn't know what she's doing and then kind of gets this haphazard idea of finding these people and pulls this pilot along who doesn't think that what Leia's doing is right mm. and is putting more people in danger. And I didn't like this book at all. Uh, I wasn't too much a fan of the artwork in this. Um, and I just, this isn't like the Princess Leia that has been portrayed to us before. Mm-hmm. It really seems someone who is really lost and is just shooting from the hip trying to do something to matter. Mm-hmm. The only thing in this... Okay, well, which which Princess Leia are you comparing this to? The Brian Wood Princess Leia, where she's like, okay, I'm well, going to lead a secret strike, strike force. Strike that from the record. But even in... I mean, this to? even in the movies... This is, Prin- this is Princess Leia mm-hmm. that is the Princess Leia after A New Hope. You can't consider what you have in Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi or any of the other comic books or anything else you've read. This is her literally right after A New Hope. Well, in the Brian Wood, it was literally right after New Hope. But and that, that's when they could... But here's, here's the thing, Paul. What? That didn't happen. It. No, I bought it, so that's $3 happen. worth he's, of my money what that he's, I'm what he's saying, saying is... is comparing, comparing the two books... The the Princess Leia that he we got out of the Brian Wood Star Wars book is something that fits with what he has grown accustomed to with mm-hmm. Princess Leia. And granted, yes, that book no longer exists. I can go grab it our, out of my long box. It our, still exists. Our feelings. Well, you know, well, don't be a dick. You know what we're saying. I know our, what you're saying. Our feelings but. are that Brian Wood handled Princess Leia better than mark wade did in this book but and at the same time while they're telling the same story this is a book that's taking place thinking that none of that other stuff ever happened the brian wood stuff was very much aware of like hey there's a whole expanded universe let's play into that and continue the story this is very much, you have a princess who was that princess that was saved. She was a little bit of a hothead. And now here she is, like, trying to do something that does matter. I don't think that belittles what she's doing at all. But, Chris, honestly, from reading this book, and I have not finished all the Star Wars movies, too, so I don't even know how she's supposed to be acting. I don't like her from this book. Like, I, this first issue made me dislike Princess Leia. And the artwork's awful. Well, Princess Leia's <laughs> kind of a bitch anyway, so you're not wrong. Well, no, you can be it. I mean, you can be a bitch, but it's, I mean, I don't know. She just, the book is called Princess Leia, and I don't like her from the beginning. And she's drawn differently on almost every single page, too. Caitlin's got a big problem with, with Terry yeah. Dodson's art. Yeah. Which is understandable. Um, the only thing I do really like in this is the double hologram joke. Because as soon as I read it, I went, two bubbers. <laughs> oh. Bubbers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an inside joke between 
the three of us. So, um, I mean, Chris, you can, I mean, everyone enjoys things differently. If this is the book that you, you know, this is what you want in a Princess Leia book. Good for you. I don't. I don't want that to sound like a jerk thing, but like, I mean, there's definitely always books that we walk yeah. away with one person liking more than the other. Mm-hmm. No, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know what else you could do with a Princess Leia book in the A New Hope era. Um, I liked it. Number two, I also enjoyed because it double shipped. Like two yeah. came out in March as well, and. Caitlin, I'm sorry you didn't like the art, but I don't know. Terry Dodson brings a brightness and a like sense of fun to his art, and it might not be the best for storytelling, but I enjoyed the way this one looked more than the John Cassidy Star Wars number one. Yeah, well, you, you, we we talked about the John Cassidy's art where we, uh, John and Chris had a problem with the how stiff everybody looked. And this is more fluid. But with that fluidity, you lose, you know, the mo- you lose being on, quote-unquote, model. So they look a little, so the character can look a little different from panel to panel. But to kind of bring everything together, like, because we've had the big three Star Wars books come on now, Star Wars, mm-hmm. Darth Vader, Princess Leia. I think Darth Vader is still my favorite. And there was a new Star Wars book that came out, yeah, this, this week too. The First Apprentice coming out of, or the last Padawan coming from, is it the Rebels? The cartoon series that's out now on. Uh, I, just, I just saw that there was another Star Wars book. I picked it up. I haven't read it yet. I'm not sure yeah, where I, it fits I, in. I haven't checked it out. Oh well, check it out and maybe we'll read it for uh, review it next month. Is it a Dark Horse one, or is it... No, it's Marvel. Marvel. Okay. Then I, I think it's worth talking about, just even in scope with the rest of the uh, Star Wars books that we've got. And let's hop over to our final book, uh, another book written by Dennis Hopeless, art by uh, Javier Rodriguez, and this is Spider-Woman number five that's really number one. Yeah. Yeah, um, this is Spider-Woman coming back from the Spider-Verse mini-event over at Marvel that took place a couple months ago. Um, I don't know what happened in the first four issues of Spider-Woman, but I guess I don't need to, mm-hmm. because this is very much a Spider-Woman that's trying to find her place in the world, and the, the book sells it. I don't feel like I need to read the first four issues of Spider-Woman because they recap who Spider-Woman is nicely. She is the character that was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was a Skrull. She's bounced around superhero team to superhero team. Now she wants to know like who she is and what she's going to do. And it seems like it's teaming up with Daily Bugle reporter Ben Urich that is going to lead her to her calling. And I think this is kind of the hawkeyeing of the Marvel universe. It's taking that superhero, putting them more street level, dealing with the crap that nobody's going to care about because she's literally doing a missing missing persons case. Uh she ri- reminds me a lot of Kate Bishop. I can see that. Yeah. 
And this is the Hawkeye slash new Batgirl of yeah. of uh, the Marvel with the Spider Woman. Um, I enjoyed this book. It wasn't till I was probably more than halfway done that I was like, "Got it, mm-hmm. get it, okay, this is good." I'm liking where this book is going because the beginning with it filling you in on everything that's happening just seemed like it's slogged down. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. And, but by the end of it, I was like, okay, number two, let's see where this is going. And I have to say, I really enjoy the panel breakdown and the art in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it does have some fun and this isn't, the spider woman i'm used to where she was a little more everything was a lot more serious about it this is really a more fun take on spider woman this isn't the shield agent Mm -hmm. this is the kate bishoping of this character because she's a lot more into the fun making a lot more quips and then the whole scene where they're playing charades in the jail with the other women like (laughs) It was such a fun moment. Paul? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> there was a really long pause there. Because Every, everyone was waiting for someone else to speak. Off. Yeah, I, I'm like, you know, I'm in complete agreement. I think uh, we see one of the, from these two issues that we read from Dennis Hopeless all in the same month. Uh, he gets a little carried away up front with giving you a lot of backstory and exposition and i'm excited to see the buddy cop movie of uh the hedgehog aka the porcupine and spider woman (laughs) because it seems pretty nutty um but here it's just one of those it is the she hulk uh hawkeye slash what is the other couple marvel books that have been out daredevil and now punisher punisher and also uh, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Yeah. Of, of the Marvel Universe. Ant-Man. Ant-Man, yep. Ant-Man, yeah. Even Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer, yep. So seven. That's seven ish, seven titles out there right now. Uh, even Thor a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. The, you know, especially since they changed characters uh, with the new Thor. Young, Young Avengers, too, you could kind of throw in there. Uh, I, I like books, this direction, so. though. Yeah. It, it, it makes the... Marvel Universe seem enjoyable and that anybody can just jump in and find a spot in and find a character they can root for. And I like this book best out of the five that we read for this past month. I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoy her Marty McFly glasses that she has on. actually owns <laughs> a pair, and he was wearing them while we were cleaning yesterday. Uh, I have, like, <laughs> Back to the Future glasses from Pizza Hut still, oh. and I uh, I choose to wear them around sometimes. And I said, oh, Spider, Spider Woman's cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> but, no, this was fun. I liked it. I liked it immediately when I jumped in. Um mm-hmm. And when I saw, oh, it's really a cop that she's attacking, and, I, and you know... I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with investigating with the villains' families, (laughs) and I like that twist of, oh, yeah, the villains aren't really just bad people. They have their families, and the villain's crying because he doesn't know what's Mm -hmm. happening to his daughter. I like the whole twist and the fun. So, A little weird that uh, 
that the cops are doing that whole like fake mugging inside an actual city street. Like fire departments, they have those fake buildings. Yeah, they have, yeah, like, the buildings. yeah you think they would that, do it like yeah. in an abandoned warehouse or, or something. something like that, and not just out in public and then say no we called the avengers and we told we people, let everyone know who needed to know except for you spider-woman apparently like, well and, but that's just selling the point that yeah she's out of the loop she's off the grid kind of she's mm-hmm. not affiliated with anyone right. anymore and i i really like this book if you had told me two years ago <laughs> that i'd be not just buying a spider-woman book to talk about it on the show, but I would actually enjoy it. I'd be like, no, like that sounds like a Bendis book. I, I wouldn't buy that. I would let John or Paul buy that uh, one. Two years ago, if someone were to say between the two of us, Chris, that we'd be buying three spider woman books, I would have been like, you're crazy. Um, and sidebar flashbacks to like two months ago, monthly look back. Spider Gwen's gotten a lot better. Oh, good. Yeah, that first issue of like the Soul series wasn't a big fan of, but the previous two, like, lots of fun. That's more what I wanted from the book, I guess. Yeah, and sometimes you just gotta take that. You know, you gotta you gotta take a little slow down to get to where you where it needs to be. That's why you give it the three issue try. That, mm-hmm. That's why you do it. That's why we do it. And hopefully you give us at least three episodes to listen to before you uh, we make win your you. decision. We win you with our charm in the second. We're we super do. fucking charming. Yeah. And you can get in contact with us in a number of ways. You can always write us a review and rate us over at iTunes. You can email us over at uh, contact.begdemorecast.com. Uh, we do have a community capture contest going on. That's right, the CCC, the monthly CCC community capture contest, uh, where we have a picture over at our webpage, and maybe it'll be on our Facebook soon. Who knows? And Tumblr. Yeah, right now, um, the picture is over in the show notes for episode 254. You can find the picture over on our Facebook. It'll have its own posting on uh, beggingboard.com. It'll be on our Instagram. But, um... It's a picture that we want you to leave a comment on, mm-hmm. and the winner, hey, we'll read it. The best comment, you'll get a you'll get a prize. Oh, okay, just prize. I'm saying it. Okay, a prize, prize, prize. And Texas Wingnut, email us because we made a promise to you that if you whoever won our movie bracket last year from our write-ins, they got to do it with us live. And we don't have your information to get back to you. So please get back to us, and uh, we would love to have you on the show doing our next movie bracket. Yep. Because we follow through on our you know, privacy policy of deleting everything that we get yes. almost immediately. We, we don't want to infringe on anybody we, by these privacy. We don't yes. keep stuff at all. And we're going to be doing it in two weeks, so please, in two weeks, get to us. Oh. And next week, uh, look forward to our trade and policy review. It's one of Paul's picks. Mm-hmm. It's Wonder Woman number one. Volume uh, one. Well, volume one, War. Yep. No, Blood. Oh, Blood. Which one's War? I think that's volume two or three. Okay. It's the first volume of the new 52 Wonder Woman. Spoilers. It's all yeah. pretty good. Yeah. 